And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning. It's the hot day edition of The Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Danny Ratliff joining me this morning as well to talk a little bit about taxes. Yeah, you know, we've uh, got to deal with that issue. Uh, the administration looking to, you know, continue this idea of more taxes on the wealthy. What is that going to mean to, well, the average American as well? Because the one thing, you know, about taxes is that they tend to roll downhill. So we'll uh, we'll get into that this morning as well. Talk a little bit more about inflation, what's going on, of course. And I thought it was interesting, Janet Yellen out yesterday saying that, well, she was wrong about transitory inflation, and now she thinks it's more permanent. Well, here's the problem with Janet Yellen is that she's always wrong, and she was. it's likely she's wrong this time as well. One thing she said importantly, though, yesterday was that, you know, the inflation wasn't caused by the massive, you know, bailouts by the American Rescue Plan, right? So she's trying to defend the Biden administration against the inflation push. This has been kind of an all hands on deck situation in the White House lately is that, oh, inflation isn't our fault. Inflation is everybody else's fault. And of course, uh, what Janet Yellen says is, well, no, it wasn't the American Rescue Plan. It wasn't sending you those checks in the middle of a shutdown economy that caused inflation by imbalancing supply and demand. Now, she's supposed to be an economist, right? She's running the Treasury. Um, and that's, you know, that's not our fault because there's inflation elsewhere in the world. Well, yeah, that's true. There is inflation elsewhere in the world. The problem is, is that inflation in the U.S. is about five times as high as it is everywhere else in, in, in the world. And yes, other countries have inflation for a couple of reasons. One, their economies were shut down, too. And when we, you know, flooded our system with a lot of liquidity, we were buying what? Products. And where do those products come from? Other countries, because we don't manufacture here anymore. So that caused inflation in those countries as well. Inflation is not isolated to just a single country. More, more, moreover, you know, the problem is also, yes, caused by there are some other transient factors that are going on. Russia-Ukraine situation increasing the price of gasoline. Yes, that's causing inflation on a global basis. But again, when you look at the differential between what the inflation rate is in the U.S. versus what it is in the G20 economies, it's a massive difference. <laughs> and so yes, while Janet Yellen says, yeah, there's inflation elsewhere too. Yeah, a lot of it is here in the U.S. because of all that liquidity that we pushed into the economy. But, you know, this is this is, you know, this is the problem with the people that we have governing monetary policy. Jerome Powell, the whole group of them, Janet Yellen included, former Fed, uh, former uh, head of the Fed. You know, they they really operate in a situation where they're so detached from what's going on in the actual economy that they don't realize what their actions do. As an example, more and more of the Fed officials are now coming out talking about in speeches addressing the issue of inequality, right? Financial inequality, right? The, the top one-tenth of one percent have all the assets. Everybody else is just kind of sucking wind at this point. And we talked about uh, just last week that there was a survey out that 36% of people making $250,000 a year, now these are mostly millennials, are complaining that they can't make ends meet, right? So just try, they're just getting by on a quarter million dollars a year of income. 
hey, I get it, right? Raising a bunch of kids, trying to have a house, go on trips, etc. Stuff's expensive, right? And the more that inflation goes up, the more expensive that, that gets. But you know what the Fed fails to address is that the inequality is ca was caused by their actions, right? Flooding the system with liquidity through quantitative easing, forcing interest rates to zero. This led to this inequality in the system. And as we've addressed many times on the show before, all these programs do, quantitative easing, uh, zero interest rate policies, they're a massive wealth transfer effect from the middle class to the wealthy because, again, as that wealth accrues to the upside, it begins to extract capital from downstream. That's just the way that it works. So, again, as you know, they talk about these problems that we have, they fail to realize that it's their own actions that cause those problems to begin with. So that's where we are. Yesterday's catch up on the Fed and <laughs> the Treasury and the ongoing idiocy that runs the economy. But this is why we're in the problems that we're in and, and not really making much progress. Um, yesterday, the markets did rally here a bit. That was kind of good news. Uh, started out the day down negative. Now, we're going to do this again this morning. Markets are going to open down a little bit this morning. Um, but yesterday, stocks did rally back. Open lower yesterday morning right along that support line over the last seven days, trading days, right? So all of last week and yesterday and, and Monday of this week, the market has traded right along a very tight range here and has just continued to test the support on this, on this range. Now, the problem is the bottom of this range has been building some support line. That's good for the market. The problem is the top of this range is right here along these bottoms where we did exactly that same type of action back in April, just kind of flipped around in a very tight range, and then eventually the market broke to the downside. The problem right now is, is we're doing exactly that same type of action, and the market has now eaten up a very large amount of that oversold condition we had that was allowing this rally to occur. So, you know, we talked about using this rally to, of course, raise a bit of cash, become a little bit more defensive. Yesterday, we did some more of that. We actually even added a very small short, uh, short S&P 500 position to our portfolios to kind of hedge some of this downside risk because the markets are really struggling here to advance and the 50-day moving average is now coming down to sit right on top of this of this kind of this trading range that we're in. So just more and more downward pressure kind of building up in the markets at this moment. So again, use this rally here, raise a little bit of cash, become a little bit more defensive. Now, if the markets can break above this level, around 42.20 on the S&P, got a shot up to 42.50, but that's going to be a whole different ballgame that we'll talk about when we get there. We're not there yet, but again, if we can do that, that would certainly be an encouraging improvement and, and would suggest that markets are doing a little bit better technically. But right now, just don't see that happening. All the technical trends are negative. We continue to operate within a very defined downtrend within the markets. And you know, again, this month, starting, starting over the next couple of weeks, we've got a lot of things happening. Next week, we've got the Federal Reserve going to be hiking interest rates by at least 50 basis points. That's the expectation. And next Friday, you've got a huge $3.2 trillion options expiration. 
that's going to provide for a lot more volatility in the markets. I have, and, and the problem with options uh, expirations, you have no idea what the market's going to do. <laughs> so it could be up or down depending on how many contracts have to be rewritten at that point and on what side of those contracts are. So again, lots of potential risk here. Not saying that the markets are going to crash lower. I'm just saying is that you're going to have a lot more volatility. We could be stuck in this range a little bit longer. Uh, again, that, that gets a little bit frustrating, but the longer that we stay in this kind of very tight range, we're eating up all that fuel. Um, you know, kind of the way the markets work is when they get very oversold, it's like having a full tank of gas. And so it gives the market a lot of room to run higher. Well, what's been happening is that we're sitting there with our foot fully down on the accelerator and the brake at the same time. So the car's spinning tires not going anywhere. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening, but we're eating up all that fuel that we had in the tank for that rally. So again, just be a little bit cautious here. Don't do anything crazy. Don't go overboard with it, but raise a little bit of cash here. Do a little bit of uh, hedging uh, for right now until we can get a better definition about where the markets are headed to next. All right, quick break. We're going to come back. We'll talk some more about this, the markets, taxes, a whole lot more inflation coming up with Danny Ratliff right after the break. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hurricane season is here. And along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Roberts, Danny Ratliff joining me as well. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. Um, so a couple of things this morning, um, you know, um, we've kind of been dealing with the potential on and off of more taxes now for the last couple of years. You know, uh, right after Biden got elected president, everybody was all panicked that we were going to have higher taxes. And we had lots of people coming into the office and saying, oh, I got to I got to reposition everything. You know, higher taxes are coming. And then, of course, nothing ever occurred. Um, so, you know, here we go again, though, um, as we get ready to head into midterm, talking about, you know, increasing taxes. We'll see how this this plays. I'm not sure this is the actual strategy to go with into the midterms. <laughs> yes, yeah, especially all that's going on. With you have inflation, Russia, and, uh, you know, you're, you're failing on so many levels right now. Let's just let's just throw gas on the fire. You know, what the hell? Let's just blow the whole thing up. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's it, it kind of seems to, to be the issue. But again, you know, look, I don't I don't disagree that higher taxes are, are coming. It's just a function of when, because when you're running the level of deficit that we're running, and I thought this was great. I've actually I just actually wrote an article about this for the Epic Times uh, talking about Biden. So he's taking credit for reducing the deficit. 
no, not really. Um, You're just not spending as much as we spent in the pandemic. Yeah, right. So and and so now all that's happened is all that liquidity that was spent has now left the system. So the deficit is falling back. We're, we're actually spending 2.4 trillion more than we were spending before. It's just a function of it looks like it's less because you stripped out that five trillion we threw in on top of it. So, but. Uh, again, you know, it's the function of the debt and the deficits. Uh, at some point, there's going to be no option but to raise taxes, uh, particularly when you look at the fact that Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and I've got another article coming out next week on the $96 trillion graveyard of Social Security. So <laughs> just I wrote this one just for Richard. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, between demographics, and we talked about yesterday, uh, you know, the fact that demographics in the world are basically heading towards zero from from a lot of different perspectives, and you just simply don't have enough people contributing to the system. And now with inflation, and you're going to have a much bigger payout for the Social Security adjustment uh, this year, which is going to deplete funds even more. You know, this is just all becoming a problem. So when you have more than a hundred cents of every dollar coming, you know, that that comes into the system from taxes, more than 100 cents goes out just to pay Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and interest on the debt. You've got you have to raise tax revenue somewhere. Well, that demographic issue is huge. You had 43 workers for every retiree back in the day when Social Security was started. Now you have, during the pandemic, it was like 2.4. Right. So significantly different. So the demographic issues, a big, big part of it. Also how they track it, they use CPIW. I mean, we can get into a long list of mm-hmm. things with Social Security. And, and really what it all boils down to is how are we going to raise more money for that? Not only just for that, but just to keep this thing rolling. I mean, that's part of it. <laughs> it's like, just keep partying until the cops come. <laughs> well, they, they've been here. They've been banging on the door. Um, but but it's a problem. So, you know, a big this is a big part right now. So Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was speaking before the Senate Finance Committee and House and Ways Committee, House Ways and Means Committee, uh, talking about the fiscal year budget of 2023, which is there really a budget, right. Lance? No. I think we know better. But... They're talking about some of the things that with uh, and and they've sneaked very slyly put in the Build Back Better Act. It's assuming that this will be passed as well. I'm not sure that any of this stuff will be done this year. Like you mentioned, I think there's enough headwinds that you're really, uh, you know, you want to throw a wet blanket over the economy. That's a really good way to do yeah. so pretty quick. But the at the end of the day, here's what they're proposing. And they're going back. And so Joe Manchin, if, if you guys can recall, last year, like Lance mentioned, we've been back and forth. We we're going to get something done. We didn't. Um, you know, which is great. I'm all for keeping taxes low because we want, I want to keep more money in y'all's pocket. However, they're going to have to raise these things at some point. And I think this is going to be a hot topic for years to come, even if nothing comes to fruition right now. So Joe Manchin comes out a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple, maybe a month ago, says, you know what? I'm, I'm game for raising taxes. So here's what it means for you guys, right? They're talking about raising the corporate tax from 21% back to 28%. We're talking about ending a step up in cost basis. Now, this is huge because right now, you know, we talk about how we can eliminate paying capital gains taxes because I know that's something that's near and dear to many. And, you know, many times it's, hey, we're going to turn that into a loss or you can you can pass and then you your heirs get to step up in cost basis. However, that may not be an option any longer. And not to mention that the change in potential estate taxes, lowering those back down to where they used to be, which could incur much higher taxation overall for families that, that right now wouldn't have to worry about any of that. Um, another thing they're talking about doing is actually eliminating capital gains taxes and moving those to ordinary income taxes. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that that's been kind of one of the issues that has been floated out there is that you know so for instance you know right now if I buy and sell a stock I, I say I buy a stock just so, so everybody knows what we're talking about here if I buy a stock in on January the first and I sell it February first a month later that increase that gain is taxed as a short term capital gain which is taxed as normal income so it's just your normal income tax rate. However, if I sell it on January the uh, buy it on January the first of 2022, and sell it, you know, January the second of 2023, where it's you know one year and one day later, that's now a long-term capital gain that's taxed at 20 percent, right? So it gets a long-term capital gains well, it, tax treatment. And it depends on the amount, right? So it, you, it depends on the amount. Income is is under a certain amount. It could be at zero percent, correct? Or it could be at fifteen or twenty. So. These are all things that we look at within a financial but, plan, but, but eliminating but that altogether. That's my that was my question though. They're, what they're talking about is just turning it all into short term gains. Yeah, they, they've 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 been back and forth with so many different options here. Um, it was initially to uh, raise it if it was over a certain amount. Now, what the tax foundation has found looking through the notes is that essentially they're talking about just eliminating altogether. Now, that could change. Right, but what? But exactly what would that mean? So at the end of the year, let's say let's say that I buy stocks on January the first. Um, and at the end of the year, I've got $100,000 worth of unrealized gains in my portfolio. I'm now taxed on my $100,000 worth of unrealized gains for that year. Oh, wait, you're, you're jumping ahead here, Lance. So, no, right now, currently what this means is that if you realize these capital gains, okay. it will be taxed at your ordinary income tax bracket. Whether they're so, short or long term. Whether they're short or long term. Now, they're also talking about if you make or you have a certain amount of money, if you make a certain amount, $25 million is the current number at the moment. But this is one thing that we don't like even introducing because the problem is once you introduce some of these things, it, it's all going to trickle down. It's never enough right. because they can't stop spending. So they are talking about if you make a certain amount of money that there will be uh, some type of testing that will essentially say, well, you're going to pay an excise tax or a surcharge of 8%. And you're going to have to pay some of these things on unrealized gains. Now, the accounting aspect of trying to tax unrealized gains, when you think about it, because they're, they're worried about the affluence, saying that they have more opportunities than you. And guess what? They're right. When you have money, money makes money, right? You have to have it. And so the issue is that now how do you start you know, tracking some of these more, you know, and where do you get the numbers from, right? So, okay, are, are you going to tax the appreciation on a home, your mm -hmm. homestead? Uh, what about your vacation property? What about... Um, investments or REITs or private placements or private equity. I mean, the list goes on and on. And yeah. think about the accounting for this. What a nightmare. I'm sure CPAs love it because the bill's just going higher and higher. But at the end of the day, I don't know how you actually, how that materializes. Well, you know, again, you know, this goes back to, you know, uh, again, you, you hit on an important point. You know, if you have money, it's easy to make money, right? Because you have opportunities to invest in things and do that. And, you know, we talk a lot about wealth inequality. And, hey, I get it, right? Wealth inequality is a problem. Um, and a lot of this has not been caused by just, you know, people going out and starting a business. A lot of this wealth inequality, if you trace it down, it's held by a lot of these C-suite executives, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, others. You know, they made that wealth through financial markets, where what I mean by that is, is they took a company public and their stock has now been run up in, you know, uh, you know, into massive valuations. Tesla, as an example, is more more highly valued than every other automaker combined. And that's where his wealth came from. Now, whose fault is that? Is that is that inequality caused by, you know, Elon Musk just coming out and building a product or a car? 
No, it's it was caused by the Federal Reserve, all of these interventions into the financial markets that created a lot in this mass speculation we've had in the markets for the last decade, 0% interest rates that caused people to run the value of a stock up that benefited him, right? So we're all mad at the rich people, but we caused it, right? It's it's all of us retail investors sitting around, you know, buying stocks, wanting to get rich in the stock market, making these guys wealthy. It's not. It's nothing they did. And again, this goes back to the to the point. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. We need to change the mindset, though. I mean, I, look, I would strive to be that person. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know that I ever need that much money, but you know, I, I do. It wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> I, I've got four kids. I need that much hey, money. I hear you. I'm right there behind but, you. But yeah, but no. My point is, is don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. if you if you want to fix the problem, fix the tax code, right? All these loopholes, opportunity zones for real estate, blah blah. You know. We, you know, we keep doing all these changes to the tax code. And then what happens is that individuals with money and a really good tax accountant find ways to avoid paying taxes, right? Which is what everybody would do anyway. Nobody, it's always interesting to me. We talked about this the other day on the show, you know, Jamie Dimon talking about, you know, the rich don't pay enough taxes. And we've heard Warren Buffett say, you know, I pay more tax. You know, my, my secretary pays more taxes than me. Hey, guess what? There's nothing stopping you from paying tax, Right. You can write a check to the U.S. Treasury Department, the IRS, and say, you know, contribute to the to the debt on the memo line and send them a check. You can pay all the taxes you want, but, you know, it's all great rhetoric. They all talk about, oh, we need to pay more taxes. But these are the guys that are working the tax system well, that's right. and have entire departments working to lower the tax rate that these companies pay. But, but not only that, but think about the companies that they own, the people that they employ, the, exactly. the Social Security, the payroll taxes, all these things that they're not taking into consideration, right? So these exactly. are things that, you know, we don't want to necessarily discourage this type of investment and people doing the things they're doing in the sense that they're they're the ones you're probably working for. And that's one thing we need to be considerate of. And you know, I think the mindset change needs to be of, hey, you know what, we all need to strive to do better, save as much money as we can on taxes, and you know what? I think I can spend money way better than the government. You know what? Why don't we give people a tax deduction for saving money? Hey, there you go. You know, if you put, you know, $1,000 in your savings account, you get a tax deduction. I like this idea. Be right back. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. It's six thirty. I'm I'm just trying to get my thoughts together here. I'm just sitting there looking at our our uh, screen. You know, it's true. Cameras add about ten pounds to you. 
Lance. I know uh, for you it's like twenty, but you yeah, know there you go. <laughs> I look much better in person, <laughs> and he's taller. Uh, <laughs> so is Brent. Brent's actually like six eight. Oh yeah, he's a giant. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, just joking. Um, so I, I wanted to, you know, we kind of finished up talking this last segment about you know trying to get people to save more and if we really wanted to help people through taxes and and, and again it was interesting talking about these you know increasing taxes we we're, we're going to offset some of that with tax credits and you know that's going to go to things like when if you, you know, if you put solar panels on your roof or if you buy an electric car and I thought it was interesting one of the um, Congress Congresswomen was bragging about her electric vehicle and how she's not having to worry about gas prices because she's got an electric vehicle. Have you seen what it's costing you to charge your electric vehicle lately? Yeah, the electric yeah. bills have gone way up. Yeah, a, there's no free lunch here, lady. Yeah. Um, but the second thing is, <laughs> I mean, I still argue it's probably cheaper than filling up at the at the maybe gas station. Uh, yeah, but yeah. It depends how i mean you're filling but you look you, there's a difference right you fill up at the gas station what once a week yeah, you least, you fill up more least. than i do but i'm once i'm once a week how often do you fill up i'm at least once a week okay at you're least. charging every night yeah so if you total that up i'm not so sure it's cheaper than paying for gas no, I, I haven't. I, no, I, no, I haven't done the math. I haven't done the math. But if you look at the increase in electric bills and figure out what you're charging every night, I spend over a hundred bucks a. a well, week. I know, but you drive a tank, easily, right? Easily. I mean, you, driving an M1 Abrams down, you know, I-10 is is costly. I mean, just you know. Hey, man, you got to protect a bunch of kids, you know. <laughs> These potholes here. But I tell you something funny about the electric bill. I, I left it out the other day. I've been yelling at the kids since they've been out of school and. And Michelle, I'm like, hey, shut the door. You know, when he goes out, if shut I had the back a nickel door. for every time I had to shut that door, yeah. turn yeah. the light off. You leave a room, turn the light off. You, and then you, became, finally, you became your dad. I, I have. It's scary. <laughs> so I left it. I left a bill out on the counter, and all of a sudden, she starts yelling at everybody, shut that door. And I said, oh, what happened here? She said, I saw that electric bill. I said, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. I know it's very interesting. It's, I've become my father too. When I was growing up, it was my dad was always yelling at us about, you know, shut the door. If I had a nickel for every time I had yep. to shut the door, I'd be a rich man. Blah blah blah. And leaving the bills out on the counter, you know, he would do that as well. It's like, I didn't understand what an electric bill was at that time or what the concept of money, but, yeah. you know, he's leaving the bill out. Oh, it wasn't for the kids. It was for her. Yeah. Now she's on board. So, well, I know, but it's interesting. We all become our parents, yeah. you know, and uh, anyway, um, I, I, but that all kind of cycles back into this is that, you know, I, I, I priced out putting solar panels on my roof. Um, just to, I, I was curious to see, you know, you know, if I could really save some money. Right. And so, it was going to be like 60 grand, including the tax credit. It was going to be like 60 grand to put panels on my roof. And so I calculated it out and because I said, okay, well, how much am I going to save every month? They kind of gave me the estimate. It would take me like 32 years to get my money back. <laughs> so that was with the tax credit. Um, but here's the point is like, you know, the, the, you know, we talk about wealth inequality and we would talk about taxes and we're going to provide tax credits to people to buy certain things. That's great, but the things we're providing tax credits to are super expensive things that only rich people can buy, right? Uh, and, and for most, I mean, you know, somebody making thirty grand isn't driving a Tesla, right? Because they're sixty thousand dollars cars. It's just a, a function of who can actually afford to make those discretionary purchases. Right? Well, but it shouldn't also be that. This is we're politicizing all these things, right? We're we're saying, well, here's our agenda. We're going to give you credit for you you helping push forward our agenda, right? Where we should be doing it to spur the economy and to to drive production 
You right. Know, which it's completely counterintuitive of what we should actually be doing. Well, that's because, that was my point about the before the break, right? We said you said, look, why don't we give tax credits to people to save money? Yeah. Right. So if your income, and we kind of do this in a way, right? Uh, and unfortunately, no, only twenty five percent of the population take advantage of this tax credit. But if you put money into a 401k plan, that's money that you put into savings pre-tax, right? Now, they tax you on it later, but, you know, you get it pre-tax. We should apply that to all savings. If you have an income coming in to the household and you put five grand into your well, bank savings account, no, just follow me through for a yeah. second. Just follow me through okay. for a second. Just chill out, I'm, I'm right? Just you take a tax you're, deduction. You're, you're triggering me here with the... With I know you're, I'm triggering you, but, I, but, there's, but my reasoning is sound. Okay. Ish. It's sound-ish. All right. We'll debate on this in a second. But no, my thing is, is look, it, the problem we have right now is that nobody has any savings. So look, yep. we talk about the numbers all the time. And, you know, the average American, 80% of Americans can't come up with $500 to meet an emergency. So when you have inflationary pressures, and we wouldn't have to do these bailouts of checks to households and other stuff if we encourage people to save money, Right. So give people a reason to save money in the bank by saying, look, if you make, you know, if you make 20,000 bucks and you save 5,000 in, in your savings account, you pay taxes on the remaining 15, you know, whatever we can do to help you save money would be better. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Consumer credit was up 54 trillion, uh, 54 billion dollars last month. Consumer credit rose by that much. So people having to go into credit card debt which is the worst possible debt to get into because it's super high interest rates and it's predatory in many, many fashions. Mm -hmm. But they go, went $54 billion more into credit card debt, another $34 billion this month, right? We now have consumer credit higher than it was at the peak of the market before the economic shutdown. And we sent all this money to households where people did actually pay off some credit card debt, right? But a, you wouldn't have this credit card problem if people had money, had, had an incentive to save money, right? And B, we wouldn't have to worry about having to send money to households to get them through a tough time in the market if they had savings in the bank. And again, I just was what spurred all this. I was watching this lady on CNBC talking about, you know, well, how to deal with high inflation. Well, you should have a year's worth of savings saved up. Yeah, who does? Right. The bottom 80 percent of Americans don't guarantee you that because we already know the statistics on that. The top 10 percent of people, you know, everybody listening to the show probably has a year's worth of savings saved up. I'm sure Danny has it. He's just got it's just it's in his back pocket. I can see it right now. Um, you know, just like falling out on the floor. Um, you know, but, but this is the problem. We don't encourage savings. Right. We do all this stuff tax wise to encourage rich people <laughs> to make more money. Right. But we don't encourage people to save money. Good Lord, I am turning into my father. What happened to personal responsibility and taking care of yourself? That's the problem. We, we backed this up and bailed too many people out too many times yep. that nobody feels like they ever have to do anything and say, you know what, they'll take care of it for me later. I agree. But how, how are you going to change it? You've got to give people You've got to stop bailing people out. Well, it, right. just but like, you, you've, got, you've either to do that or you've got to give them incentive. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, everybody has that one relative that, that always falls, right? And you pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. And then at one time, you finally stop and everybody says, look, guys, you got to get, you got to stand on your own two feet. What usually happens? They sink they, or swim. They go to college. Oh, oh, <laughs> you, uh, you said relatives that are always bailing them out. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah, be yeah. my two Taliban. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, man. But no, so they have tried to incentivize this in different ways. Yeah. Kevin Brady tried to come out with a universal savings account or a family savings Which account. Which was a good idea. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was good because they were going to allow families with under 50000 to put aside $1,000. And they're going to match it dollar for dollar with tax dollars, right? So, But it was going to be run by the government. Which I don't, I don't like that aspect of it. So it's going to be the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board was actually going to run this account. Now, the one caveat here is that you'd be able to put these funds aside. You could use them for, um, you could use them for child care, school expenses, elder care. You could use them for uh, medical leave, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still gonna, it, it's not enough. It's not enough that you're going to be able to put that money aside. And plus, families making fifty thousand or less, they're under the poverty line. So how much money are those guys saving anyways? And I, I'm all for incentivizing them, but I'm not sure it's going to get it's going to move the needle the way we need it to. And then the other aspect of this is um, you can only put in so much to an account like this. Like you can only put in $5,000. So same problem. Well, they could contribute to a an IRA, a Roth, right. a, a traditional IRA. Well, you know, the Obama administration tried to do that same thing. They tried to come out with a new version of the IRA for you know poor people. And the problem is, is they don't have any money to save to start with. And of course, that thing went nowhere because the people in that in that income bracket don't save money. They live paycheck to paycheck, right? To, well, exactly to your point. It's like you mentioned. There's there's guys making two hundred fifty thousand saying they're they're living paycheck to yeah. paycheck. Well, uh, and again, you I know, think we, we could figure something and out. Again, with that, you know, we're ta- you know, and again, I want to be clear here too is that we're talking about income taxes, right? We're just talking about income taxes. What we forget about though is all the other taxes that we pay in the economy. And so the government, when we talk about government spending, right, and this is not just national government, it's also state government, local government, government period, right, no matter how you want to define it. But think about all the taxes that you pay. You know, we talk about a 20% tax bracket or a 25% tax bracket, whatever it is. The average person pays between 50 and 55% of their income in taxes, right? And when you when you break it all down between gas taxes and ta- sales tax and property tax and you know, school tax and, and this tax and that tax and the other tax and then fees for other things and services that you use. I mean, take a, if you want to know how many taxes you're paying, take a look at your phone bill to all the different taxes, your cable bill, all the different taxes that go out in that cable bill. You know, the, the point is, is that there is all this money that floods into government. And yet they're running a two trillion dollar deficit. I mean, something is seriously broken at the national, federal, state, local government levels. There's no accountability. And well, that's that's part of the problem. And you know, we keep trying to go back and blame it on the average American for our problems and our woes, but it's gotta start at the top. And that's really what we need to be focusing on. And in elections, that's what we should be voting for, right? Somewhere we lost that that we lost that whole fight along the way. I don't I'm not sure exactly where. Anyway, quick break, come back, wrap up the show, don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hurricane season is here. And along the Texas Gulf Coast, we know how to prepare. What we don't always know is which way the storm will go and if a hurricane does come your way, whether your house will flood. Fortunately, you can get flood insurance. 
Unfortunately, flood insurance rates have skyrocketed. Don't be at risk. Let the specialists at RIA Insurance assess your needs and shop your coverage for the best rates possible. Another service from realinvestmentadvice.com. Click on the insurance tab, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. So a couple of things uh, just to kind of wrap up the show. Uh, interesting enough, Target yesterday came out and revised their profit margins down again. Um, second time went from 5% and profit margins to two. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, and also warning about uh, increased inventories. And they're now going to have to start discounting their inventory to get it sold. So that's that kind of that initial impact of what we've been talking about now for a while when it comes to inflation is that the reason we have infl- have inflation and despite Janet Yellen's you know lack of knowledge how we got here, we shut down the economy, gave people five trillion dollars and guess what you get inflation. Um, now the problem is is that all that inventory that everybody started you know because of all this demand everybody starts creating a whole bunch more you know product right we all ramp up stuff we can't find enough people to work because we've got to produce all this product because there's so much demand in the economy and the natural consequence of that ultimately is we produce all this inventory and then demand drops off because they don't have any money left to spend right it's all going to gas and food and this is what Target's warning about right now is that weaker sales going forward. In fact, I'm doing a report for next week on the National Federation of Independent Business, which are the small business survey. And all across their metrics, sales are declining, employment outlooks are declining, economic growth uh, outlooks are declining. And that's really kind of the heartbeat of America. About 80% of businesses are, are considered small businesses in this country. Um, and so that's a, that's a real challenge here economically. And look, there's there's lots of indications that we're rapidly heading towards a recession. Um, the Atlanta Fed GDP now, which is the real-time growth tracker, went from 1.9% at the beginning of May. In June, it was 1.3. On June the 1st, yesterday, it was 0.9. And this is even after that employment report that came out last Friday. So, um, you know, take 0.9, negative 1.4 in the first quarter, do your math, we're not doing great this year so far economically. So, you know, definitely some challenges here. But what we're seeing across retailers right now in general is the same story. Amazon, Walmart, the two largest employers in the country and arguably probably the world, um, are all talking about too much staff. They have too many employees. And so that's kind of that initial phase we talked about in terms of employment. You have employment freezes. And we've heard this from a lot of people. Uh, even Tesla has implemented a hiring freeze. The next step will be layoffs. Then the next step after that, you know, temporary layoffs, right? We'll do furloughs. We'll temporarily lay off people, whatever it is. And then you get into actual just layoffs and firings, right? So that's just, but again, you know, uh, uh, employers are slow to hire, slow to fire. So that's still coming down the road here. Keep a watch on jobless claims when those start to rise pretty sharply. That'll really tell you where we are within the mix of things. But 
you know, as we were talking about inflation and savings and, you know, taxes and all these type of things, you know, one of the problems that the government's going to have here very shortly is a, a much slower economic environment. Now, the Fed next week is going to be hiking interest rates by 50 basis points. That's another break on the economy, higher rates. And they're going to start the official reduction of their balance sheet by $60 billion this month. Now, just to put that in context, that's twice the rate that they were doing on a monthly basis in 2018. And it'll be three times the rate by the time we get to August. So just putting that out there for you to think about. So, but in good news, Velveeta's coming out with cheese-flavored nail polish. Cheese-flavored nail polish. Yep. Cheese-scented nail polish. Man, you can't make some of this stuff up. I'd like to see Angela Johnson do a bit on that. I don't know. There's just a whole. There's a whole joke in here about cheese scented nail polish and scratching your butt. I want. I don't know what it is. Oh. But there's a <laughs> Who's gonna use this? I uh, people that really yeah. like cheese. Did they do a focus study on this? Like, what, what the focus group? Like, yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, you know, Cheetos. I could see Cheetos coming out with you know, Cheeto flavored, flaming hot. Well, all you have to do to get that is eat them. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> This is true. Well, it's funny, you know, like one of my kids started biting their nails and I was like, no, 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 we're going to start putting hot sauce on there. Maybe this is the alternative. I did that with my son. Yeah. He loves hot sauce. Oh, really? Yeah. Backfired? I, total, total backfire. <laughs> I put Tabasco on there and he's like, oh, this <laughs> like is damn great. it. Down to the nub. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's the story of my life. Anyway, nothing yeah. ever, everything backfires. Um <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, so so again, I think the important thing here, Danny, is is you know we need to be looking at kind of where things are headed right now. And look, we got a lot of problems. And and again, you know, when you take a look at the electorate and what's going on, we got midterms coming up in November. I don't think there's much help coming from the government between now and November. No, I I think there's there can't be at the moment. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about it because the midterms coming up, especially if we continue to get you know poor economic data. I mean, Michael Leibowitz has a new article out on at realinvestmentadvice.com. It has a lot of really good graphs and charts on here showing exactly you know how the consumer is and corporations as far as the health of it and it is not trending in the right direction right you know as we see you know consumer credit card uh debt is going through the roof we're seeing personal savings rates at all-time lows uh, or, or lows since the pandemic or not the pandemic the financial recession back in 0708 so these numbers aren't presenting this great opportunity that we would typically see or would hope to see. So I know everybody, we're, you know, we're, we are optimistic because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. But economically, there's some headwinds that are going to take some time to get over. Yep. I think households are going to have a difficult time for a bit. And, you know, Jamie Dimon, you mentioned him earlier. He said, you know, I, I know we talked about uh, CEO of Bank of America a couple of weeks ago, how he's optimistic. And Jamie Dimon said, man, households have like six to nine months of, of personal savings before they're in trouble, and now we're already seeing the credit levels rise. I think we could be in a little bit sooner than we expect. You know, the interesting thing we were talking about earlier, you know, you hear so much information on, you know, both sides of the coin. And one thing last night I was looking at says, um, get ready for an expensive summer. And then the next article, like 20 minutes later, talks about Target has, uh, has increased inventory. So does Walmart, all these other places. And you're going to be able to find things on sale. But I think it's going to depend on what you're looking for. <laughs> Right? Yeah, well, I think that's always the case. Is it's always kind of dependent on what you look for. There's there's certain items that always hold a high price. Um, you know, ammo right now is holding a very high price. <laughs> the, the, yeah. There's a lot of other items that, you know, I think we're going to see 
you know, come down a lot in price because we produced a lot of that kind of stuff uh, because there was a lot of, uh, you know, needed demand at that time that we thought. And now that some of that, A, a now that people are, A, going back to work, right? So we saw a lot of production in areas for people that wanted to work at home, right? So we so saw a lot of... Yeah. But, you know, we saw stuff like Zoom, right? The, the Zoom video stock price went through the roof because everybody's going to be working at home, right? Right. Um, but, you know, now we're seeing a de- we'll see a deflation in a lot of those areas. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, retailers like Home Depot and Lowe's uh, start to come under pressure price wise because, you know, everybody was fixing up their house. They did all that. Now they don't have that money to do that anymore. So, yeah. But do you we'll, think maybe that we'll one what, still still stays just because if rates are rising, people are going to be less inclined to move? Yeah, no, no, there's, I, I'm not saying, and look, that stock's already been under a tremendous amount of pressure. I yeah. mean, the stock was 420, it's down to 301. So, you know, Home Depot. Um, no, I'm just saying is that, I, you know, we could see additional pressure because remember during the pandemic, everybody was like adding a deck and they mm-hmm. were buying riding lawnmowers for their, you know, their two foot square yard and, you know, <laughs> you know, all this type of stuff. And because they had all this extra money, now they don't have that, and they're having to, you know, pay more for gas and food. So some of those, I'm talking more about the home improvement projects yep. that we saw. I think that's going to probably tail off, you know, a good bit here. But no, I think a lot of people are going to, you know, have to focus on keeping repairs of their house up and that type of thing because they can't afford to move or don't want to move right now because you know people can't, are priced can't buy out. Anything. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So so when the inflationary, you know, it's, it's interesting, you mentioned Janet Yellen and, you know, the World Bank says that we're going to have persistent inflation, which they've been wrong. And, you know, I don't, thinking back, you're right. I can't think of a time that she was probably, I don't know if she's ever hit the nail on the head when it comes to this. And look, it's a moving target. It's it's not the easiest thing. Okay, but thing. there's a difference between missing the nail and, you know, hitting a board that's yeah. on the other side of the house. I mean, you know. No, just, that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, she's not even been in the ballpark. And this, even when she was head of the Federal Reserve, she wasn't even close to being in the ballpark. She wasn't even hitting foul balls. She <laughs> yeah, was striking exactly. out. Well, she wasn't even at the plate. <laughs> she was over in the dugout swinging. So, anyway. Yeah, but I, I think that's going to be something that we're going to have to watch for. And, and I think, Lance, you know, we talked about this on our, our bond uh, lunch and learn last week the webinar which you can find on the youtube channel the real investment show that you know just because they're raising rates doesn't mean that we're going to see bond yields just surge we've had a really difficult time it's interesting uh, wall street journal finally pointed something out that the market does not like it when rates hit about three percent on the 10-year yeah. and you know I, I know we hit it in 2018 we hit 3.24 we've been a little bit higher than 3.1 you know what's the projections here is what i think everybody wants to know and how high can rates go? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, there's there's a, a point where you have an economic impact, and you're already seeing it. I mean, yeah. you just talked about housing, and you're seeing that across the board with housing markets and, and what's going on there. And so if rates rise much more from here, it's going to continue to further degrade economic viability, which at some point the Federal Reserve then has to go, hey, you know what? We got to start cutting rates again. Yeah. And, you know, that's just going to be a that's just going to be that's a fun they're going to be we're going to be back in qe and zero interest rates there's no doubt about that it's just a question of timing is it next month is it six months from now you know what is it that's that's just a, a function of timing though but we'll be there yeah but we don't have that 10 percent concern of, of yields i think that we continue to hear that yeah. yields are going to keep rising I, I remember the 70s and 80s well that was a much much different time if you look at the the account for what uh, business debt and government debt is yeah. significantly different. <laughs> Everything's different. Nobody wants to serve, service <laughs> that. Exactly. All right, wraps up the show for the day. Uh, Danny Ratliff, thanks for joining me this morning. 
Uh, be sure by the website that article, that new article by Michael E. Woods is out. Of course, while you're there, also check out our do-it-yourself page. You can uh, see all of our digital models. We now have revamped that page. So simply go to the investing tab and go to do-it-yourself. You can see all of our different portfolios in our digital platform. That's available for you as well. All at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. All right. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow, wrapping up the wrapping up the, uh, the the week and heading into the end of the week with Michael Lee Woods talking more about the Fed and the hike next week. What does that mean for markets and your money? That'll be tomorrow. Three minutes of markets money coming right up. Don't go away. Wow,